You are listening to the regular version of Sexy Marriage Radio, smrnation.com. You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex happens in the marriage bed. Here's your host, Dr. Corey Allen. This just came into the inbox at feedbacksexymarriageradio.com, Pamela. Yeah. I just listened to the free version of episode 454, where a guest commented on scheduling sex. My husband and I started scheduling sex because he wanted it four times a week, and I never wanted it. He insisted physical intimacy is part of a healthy marriage, and I saw that we related better when we had sex. On the scheduled days, I was able to psych myself up for it throughout the day, so it wasn't bitter every time. But it was still duty sex on my part for eight years. But because I had to deal with it three times a week, I got to the point of wanting to make it better because I wept at the prospect of having to continue to have sex for the rest of my life like this. A lot of factors were involved, but now my husband is not looking for his validation through sex. He now knows the clitoris needs to be stimulated, and I began to, began to stand up for what I want in all areas of the marriage. Now, our scheduled sex provides anticipation for him and me setting my daily schedule to mentally get in the mood to be ready to enjoy time with him after our four young kids are in bed. I became aware of your podcast after hearing you on Authentic Intimacy. The combination of the theology and purpose of sex from Authentic Intimacy and your practical tips and ideas have greatly helped our marriage. A huge thank you to you both. Nice. Nice. That's uh, that's someone kind of coming into their own and really working hard to seek out and be better. And that's what we want to have happen here at Sexy Marriage Radio Nation, Mm -hmm. is we want people to recognize that uh, things get better, and the way they get better in marriage is I get better as a person, as a human being, as the way I function. Right. That's exactly what this lady was doing. That it's not just in my sex life. It's in all of my life, and it's in marriage, because we believe married sex is the sacred, blessed area where sex can just be fantastic. And that's what we want for those of you out there in the Sexy Marriage Radio Nation. That's right. Where if you want to let us know what you think, uh, jump on the inbox, just like uh, this ma'am, this lady did. This ma'am, I don't know what that means. Yeah, yeah, whatever. This lady did. Uh, and let us know at feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. Or you can call in at 214-702-9565 and leave a voicemail. That gets you to the front of the line of any questions that you may have that you want us to answer, because we go where the audience wants to go. Uh, that's that's the whole kit and caboodle of Sexy Marriage Radio's mm-hmm. process over the last eight and a half years almost. Right. And we have to give a, a special shout out. Uh, this past weekend, Pam and I were honored to be invited to come speak at a marriage conference at Preston Trail Church right here in our area. Yeah, Briscoe, uh, Texas. Where they did a... Valentine's Day marriage conference, and we were doing some breakout sessions on Saturday morning, and it was a wonderful time. Yeah, I always love going to that church. That Talk about taking it where you want to go, right? They're, they're not afraid there to speak up and ask the questions. Although and... I think, again, we were one of the few that have ever spoken on that stage so frankly about sex and the concepts that happen in life. Yeah, and kudos and to, love. to them for wanting to have that topic out there. And that's what we love doing, is just having the conversations that people are longing to have yeah. when it comes to their marriage and their sex life. And that's what Sexy Marriage Radio exists for, Yeah, is to help frame the conversation for what's going on in your life. 
And if you want to get even more, if you're new to the Sexy Marriage Radio Nation because you're just now jumping on board after hearing us at Preston Trail, or if you're new, welcome. Um, if you want to go even deeper, come to the getaway with us in June, uh, mm. the 18th through the 21st of 2020, this summer, where four days of just great time, a small group of couples, Mm-hmm. And it, we're going to go and experience a lot of really cool things. Yeah, it's going. So, really looking forward to it this year. Registration's happening now. It's filling up fast. Uh, we will sell out. Mm-hmm. Definitely, my bet. Um, and so, if you haven't registered yet, please do. There's payment plans available. But come join us. It, mm-hmm. It's going to be a fabulous time. So, coming up on today's regular free version of Sexy Marriage Radio, your questions and our answers. We're just going where they want to go today, Pam. All right. And then on the extended version of Sexy Marriage Radio, which is deeper, longer, and there's no ads, you can subscribe at smrnation.com. More of your questions and our answers. This is just a question potpourri show today. I like the word potpourri. So okay, all the, well, all let's, that, get, let's get All rolling. that is coming up on today's show. So right out of the gate, this email just came in, Pam, that uh, from a wife that discovered Sexy Marriage Radio last month and has been grateful for the information and the resources. She has a question that she searched for answers and she just can't find responses anywhere. There's one blog out there, but that's one guy's personal experience and opinion, so there's nothing else. So here's the background. My husband and I have been married for 20 years. We have four kids and a great life. Outside of the bedroom, Hubby and I are awesome friends and a great team, but inside the bedroom, we've always struggled. It's the, the only issue we ever fight about. We married young and were naive and had absolutely no guidance in this area. We were both virgins, and any questions we had leading up to the wedding were met, were met with, oh, it'll all work out, which is a sad statement that a lot of times people don't answer the questions well yeah. of concerns that people can have. Well, five years ago, we learned that the hubby has a condition called phimosis. And because of this, it's, it's always been this way. He didn't realize this was an issue. Because the only naked man I've ever seen is him, I didn't know that this was an issue. So armed with some cream and a vague, do some stretching from the doctor, very little progress was made, and then he just gave up. Now to my question. Can you address how this con- condition impacts our sex life, if at all, and would fixing the problem make things feel better for him or for me? Thanks for your help. So I'd say, first off, let's define what phimosis is. Phimosis is, and I'm going to be willing to bet this is a new thing for you. Definitely. That's the first time I've heard that word. So phimosis is something that can happen for an uncircumcised man, and the foreskin closes around, you know, because normally if if you're talking about an uncircumcised penis, the foreskin will wrap around the head of the penis, and that's what protects it when it's it's flaccid. Mm -hmm. And even, possibly even when it's erect, it can make it to where it's still the head, the tip of the penis stays covered. Uh Phimosis is a tightening of that skin. So it can make it to where uh, erections can be painful. And for a lot of boys, this is is what I've come across, a lot of boys, when they are diagnosed with this, and they ask the question, which is, again, a lot of times people don't always ask the question because uncircumcised penises look a lot of different ways. Okay. Um, because of the, depending on the amount of foreskin present. Mm-hmm. So 
a lot of times what they will say as a boy starts to grow, he will grow out of this. Apparently, this husband has not. And so the what they were given as the advice was cream and stretching. Because usually that means you have to, with an erection, you have to grab the foreskin and pull it down to expose the head of the penis, which can be painful because that foreskin has tightened. Yeah, that sounds excruciating. It absolutely could be. Okay. So the treatment I've come across, and this is just from the research I've done mm-hmm. on this, I've... Mm-hmm. Um, the, the options are what, what the doctor has recommended, which mm-hmm. is use the, utilize the creams and utilize the stretching. Um, typically, when that's partnered with erections, that helps. You can do some stretching even when you're not erect, mm-hmm. but you don't get the same amount of uh, result, most likely. Sure. But this means he has to be willing to tolerate some discomfort, most likely. The other option is surgical options, all the way to circumcision, which there are some men that have been circumcised as adults. Sure. And that is a possibility. It does, from the, I've had two clients over the history of my counseling practice mm-hmm. where they did get a circumcision when they were late into their adulthood. Yeah. Uh, well past the time when you normally would as a baby, for sure. Uh, and the recovery was a little, was pretty painful. And like, it even adds, uh, per, had some desensitization for them. There was some drawbacks that they weren't expecting. Weren't expecting. And okay. that was part of why they came, started to come to see me is because mm-hmm. we got some issues and physical is only, so, only a part of it. Right. So will this impact your sex life? Yes, mm-hmm. this impacts your sex life because it makes it to where he could, he could have an aversion to wanting to get an erection. Mm. Right, and so that means you try to stay away from the arousal component completely. It, there's not a draw, mm-hmm. even if deep down he's got a draw towards it. Mm-hmm. There's there's a conflicting that can go on. Um, I don't know how it impacts if if this is fixed and corrected. It can impact her if I'm assuming since they have four children, they've had intercourse, and it's a it can be something they do. Sure. Um, so if he creates a little more comfort in this area of his life, I would assume that will translate into a little more comfort for her because he's more comfortable there. Yeah. Those kinds of things, you feed off each other a little bit, right? I mean, if if, if, if one spouse knows the other one is hurting, I, I would expect the other one to be tentative and sure. um, well, that makes not as free flowing. with. And that's where we come up with all these different ways to just not even go near yeah. the, the arena. Right. Because it's this whole, ah, that's just uncomfortable. I don't want to do this. So it's, and again, my thought would be go back to a doc and have a conversation. Educate yourself. Go with him. Mm-hmm. And and if he's unwilling, then at least I've got more data to know, okay, what am I really facing? What's the real issue we're talking about right. here? Because if it's just that... Okay, maybe there's some solutions because science has come a long way in the last decade or two. There's more and more things that we're learning about the body, and possibly there's better alternatives that can and procedures that can help you. And so, uh, address it head on, be upfront about it because it's obviously something. It sounds like she wants a little bit more, right? In the sex in the sexual arena with him, but. He's got to come to come to grips and be comfortable with himself. And what does that mean? How does he 
confront what's, what life has kind of dealt him right now. Yeah, in this scenario, he's the one that's got to take charge of it. It's, it's his body, right? Exactly. His pain. Um, exactly. He's the one that's got to. And so I think fixing the problem can help the sex life. Absolutely. Because if you remove some of the encumbrances, I would liken this in, to a degree vaginismus. Right. That if, yeah. if it's just uncomfortable, it's, 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 you're able to, but it's just not as comfortable. That, that would be analogous to the, the condition, I would think. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's almost just kind of recognizing, okay, what are the steps I can do? Because I want to take this in, into my life and confront what, what's going on better. Yeah. So then I can share the rest with my wife. Mm-hmm. So another email that came in, it's been around for a little bit, that just says, I've, I've been married for 20 plus years. This is from a wife. Okay. And I've begged my husband to be more romantic. He thinks it's stupid and embarrassing. I've cried, yelled, screamed, tried to be more romantic for him. Nothing works. The only parts of my body he touches are my boobs and between my legs. We have a great sex life, always have, but I need more. And I've even said it to him. I don't want to wake up at 70 years old and look back and wish I had this in my life. I've bought books, videos, you name it. So how do I get him to be more romantic? High desire, low desire. That's what I'm hearing more. I, I'm I'm just hearing the emails of how do I get my wife to want more sex? Or mm-hmm. it, it's the same scenario for whatever it is. Absolutely, I, I can't force a spouse to want something the way that I want it. Right, and I applaud so her that, that uh, where she talks about. I've even tried to be more romantic for him. I'm curious of what that means. Yeah, I, I was wondering about that too. Is um, I, I just I want her to be more romantic herself and try and set the stage the way you know, do what you want to see mm-hmm. and, and yeah, provide model, that for him. Model, model, it, yeah. and lead towards what it is you want. So it's because it's it sounds like so they have a an exchange to a degree of their relationship that's satisfactory. I guess you could say sure, yeah. right? that it's nothing that's major going wrong. It's, it's a little perturbing. Yeah. Right. Because she's, she's describing his idea of romance is just heading for the genitalia sweet spots. Mm-hmm. And she's sounds like I want all of me involved. I want a, I want to be romanced. I want mm-hmm. to be drawn up into something bigger that, t- that touches on other senses and emotions and experiences. Right. It's and, not just sexual. Yeah. And and that's not a unique desire, right? You not want at all. to you want to be wanted. You want someone to uh, kind of be a student of you that would be so fabulous. Right. Um and to to seemingly have a lack of desire for someone to be a student of you when you're crying out for something. Right. It would be quite disheartening. Right. And so then it comes down to that what what I hear in this is, and I like the way you're framing this, Pam, is I'm crying out to them. How? Yeah. Because obviously when I'm trying to explain something to someone else and I'm getting the same result, there's something going wrong on both sides. Yeah. Maybe I could come up with a different way to come about this. Yeah. And what comes to my mind is, how do you define the word? I want to be more romantic. I want more romance. What does that mean? 
and and I agree, and I, that's where I was a little bit confused because I guess maybe he totally has no idea when when his idea of romance he doesn't touch her anywhere except boobs in between the legs. Yeah, that's that's not romance, right? I picture romance as um, it it has nothing to do really with sex. It's about kind of the okay. the setup and how do we love one another and how do we entice one another and how to it's kind of the setup of everything. Right. Well, it's almost a it's little more of bit a of mental a, game. It's an emotional foreplay. Yeah. It's a it's a banter. It's a it's a longing. It's mm-hmm. a yearning that's not not just sexual. Yeah. So I wasn't clear if it was that kind of thing or if it's actually more of the foreplay where she's trying right. to Right. And that's at. where just trying to be more clear because if you say, Hey, I want more romance, then I, okay, I hear that differently than you would. Pam, right, right. Um, it's the same kind of word. The way we define the word intimate, you know, what does that mean? Yeah, people. <laughs> right? There's people a lot of different meanings we a attach lot of different to it. Ideas, yeah. And so sometimes, just trying to be a little more specific on. No, I'm looking to be wooed more. I want to be. Uh, I, I want you to be chivalrous with me. I want you to take me out on dates. I want you to have long conversations. I want you to create experiences. You know. Those are all variations of romance. Yeah. And so trying to be as clear and concise as you can, of this is what I'm looking for, at least gives a framework mm-hmm. of what you can do. But then you're still, she's in this dilemma though, because the sex is good. The relationship is good, but she's not getting what she wants. So to get what she wants, she has to recognize, I'm going to probably have to create a disruption to show how important this is to me. Otherwise, I'm not showing that this is really mattering to me. Hmm. And what does that disruption look like? It might mean uh, the first time or the next time he just goes straight to boobs. Mm -hmm. You say, yeah, the sex would have been really good, but I'm not just allowing just go straight to boobs at this point. Got to change your game, buddy. Hmm. What else you got? (laughs) Right. There's other parts of me. That's more than just these few, you know, this little areas of square inch, mm-hmm. inches, not inch. I don't want to just shortchange any woman. <laughs> but you know what I mean? That it's, it's that idea of when we accept what's going on, it's tacit consent to I'm okay with it. Yeah. Rather than my words are one thing, but my actions have to back it up. Yeah. And so that doesn't necessarily mean you have to say, okay, sex is off the table until you start romancing me more. But it can mean, no, I'm going to make you work for it differently this time. Yeah. Even if she really wants it too, there's still an element of, I value this. I'm worth more than this. Hmm. So I'm going to step up in the way I change my game with this. And I'm going to see what he does with it. And be prepared. It's going to disrupt things, not likely. He's going to be, oh, oh, you're serious. Okay. And then you see, is he willing to really be a student of you or not? Mm-hmm. Or is it truly, well, this is what works for me. I'm good. And so now you're at stalemate, mm. which you're already at stalemate. This is just a different level of discomforting stalemate. Mm. Right. Hi, guys. I just wanted to say how much I appreciate your podcast. I listen to it. I am 
now a binger. I just stumbled across it a couple of weeks ago. My question is, as a younger woman and branching from my later teens, especially in high school, because of my body type specifically, I was labeled as more of a promiscuous type girl. I was not. In fact, was very dedicated to saving myself for marriage and very strong in my beliefs. However, those bullies kind of and the way that those people spoke to me kind of gave me this mindset that I had to try very hard to make sure I could be portrayed as the good girl. That mindset carried into then my marriage and that my husband had even at one point made a comment that because of my body type, again, more of a voluptuous type body, that he thought as well whenever we first started dating that maybe I was more on the promiscuous side. This made me a bit guarded. And honestly, has I've noticed as we have grown together over the years, we have been married 15 years, and it has taken me up to now to start recognizing that letting go of that good girl mentality means that I can let go whenever we are intimate as well. For instance, there are certain things that could easily have been portrayed as what a promiscuous person would have done. And I steered clear of them. So now I want to explore those things and be more adventurous with my husband. However, breaking out of that good girl mentality and that fear has been quite an issue. If you guys can explore any tips to deal with this, I would greatly appreciate it. Thanks so much for all that you do. Have a great day. So Pam, to start off, when you hear the word promiscuous, because again, this is this whole episode in some regards is going to be about meanings. Mm-hmm, definitely. Right? What do you hear when you hear the word promiscuous? Um, I'm ready to just jump into bed with pretty much anyone. I'm, I'm pretty free with my sexuality. Okay. Is there a difference between promiscuous and slutty? Because this is what this is what's coming out to me. Because mm-hmm. I'm curious hearing her. Okay. In the way she's been stereotyped and objectified as she developed, I'm almost hearing an interchanging of those words, and I don't think there's an interchanging of those words. One has a much more degrading versus promiscuous is a, is a little more free. It's what she's even describing, what she wants to be. I don't know. I I, I guess in my mind, those they were pretty promiscuous. S- similar. Are they? Okay. And, and that's fair. Uh, uh, but again, I think it comes down to, for her, she's asking the question, this is something I fought because I had my guard up because I didn't want to portray it, even though apparently her body did lead people to assume that. Hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm curious, in some regards, I tell me if I'm wrong, Pam, because I've not been a woman uh, being raised in a world that... Mm-hmm. Is sexualized and objectify, objectifying women yeah. in large ways. Um, in some regards, is in this the plight of a lot of women? Mm. Or am I wrong? The assumption of 
promiscuousness? No. No, the, the assumption of the way people read her versus the way she reads herself. The assumption of objectification. We've done episodes on objectification sure. way back and even got some pretty good fodder that came in and some pushback that came in because it has this element of like, no, you're not supposed to do that. But there is an element of that's kind of a relationship dynamic, especially in society. Yeah, I, I don't know that it's restricted just to females, though. I think that we all have potentially um, things that we think other people think of us. Either we know or we think they think of us that maybe we don't like. And so we fight against those. There's a way we were raised and we fight against those things. Okay. And so I think that this just takes on that form. Okay. Okay. That's just Pam's, yeah, Pam's opinion. Because well, here's what stands out to me hearing her is, is she's describing that she was cast in a category that she wanted nothing to do with. Yeah. That she had a moral standard and yeah. a value and she ran from that. Didn't even want to portray it, it sounds like. Right. Even though her body was not in line mm-hmm. <laughs> with mm-hmm. with that. And now she's at this point of realizing, wait, that's actually started to limit me, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to my marriage. And so I hear this as this is some serious self-development possibilities uh, of coming to grips with. I would agree with you. You know what? Okay, let's look at the macro level of this. When when I, Because this is where our scripts can start to wreak all kinds of havoc to us. That when I first started getting this sense of, People are labeling me as I'm a promiscuous girl. Oh, she's one of that. She's that. Oh, you know, that kind of stuff. And I'm like, no, I don't want to. And so she pulls back. She uh, squashes those thoughts. She steers them differently. Maybe she dresses differently, handles herself differently to try to do everything she can to not send those kinds of signals. And at that time, it makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. But now that script in marriage, she's realizing, wait, I need to challenge this because that script doesn't work for me as well well right yeah if she's in bed being the good girl still and not experiencing potentially more of what you can experience with your spouse then definitely that's a script you want to get in there and try and just maybe blow up right and so then if, if this couple was sitting in my office which I would love this kind of interchange because I would want to be able to see faces with the questions. Um, I would want to ask her, um, what do you suppose would happen were you to ask the man sitting next to you, husband, to treat you, see you as how he originally saw you, to approach you that way, to kind of challenge, just bring it out in Mm -hmm, the open. mm Mm-hmm. You know, if he, if he wants to come at you because it's you're a little more, he sees you as more adventurous, more spontaneous. Well, what do you suppose would happen? And I'd want to read both faces to see. And that's interesting that it sounds like you're equating promiscuous with adventurous and spontaneous. I'm going with where she wants to be now. Okay. Because gotcha. I'm, I'm still trying gotcha. to keep, you know, I'm, I'm going to stay with the, the, the merits and the value of our show of if this is in the relationship of a marriage and it's two consenting adults, and it's in line with their values, go for it. Be, mm-hmm. be as vibrant as you can be yeah. as people. Uh, promiscuous oftentimes has a connotation of 
multiple people. It doesn't matter. All, it's not just with one person. That's, that's in my mind. I hear it as, oh, they're promiscuous. That means they sleep around, yeah. not just one person. Okay. Um, but I would want to hear and see the dynamic between the two of them. Mm-hmm. To see, does that make her squirm? Mm-hmm. Because that's kind of then, she's talking about that's an undercurrent of the relationship. And so let's bring that to the forefront to utilize that energy mm-hmm. better and have more pointed conversations about it better. Mm-hmm. And then she could do some of the soul searching of how do I come to grips with who I am and the power I have and the body I have and the vibrancy it is and the allure and whatever, the swagger, the mm-hmm. what, whatever it might be. Sure. And how do I use that superpower for good in my marriage? I love that you use the word superpower, <laughs> right? That Why not? Right. Because historically, it sounds like for her, that is quite the opposite Something of what she from. would have thought it would be called. Right. Yeah. But why not see it as, you know what? I am beautifully and wonderfully made. Mm-hmm. So definitely, how about I, I treat it as such and how lucky my husband is to get to experience me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So as we've had the trend, the last couple of episodes, uh, the last few months, Pam, of uh, we've got a voicemail we'll answer in the extended, but we'll play it here because this voicemail actually has like three questions. So we got a, we have quite a bit we'll be unpacking. Oh, perfect. But this is a taste of where we're heading in today's extended content. Hey, Dr. Corey and Pam. Thank you for your show. Really appreciate it and really do uh, enjoy the dynamic that the two of you have on the show. So thank you for that. A couple questions that I want to run through. Um, I want to ask a question around if you've ever talked about or if you've researched or listened to or any aspect of where there's a female-led relationship and then potentially bringing in uh, domestic discipline into that uh, dynamic, is this actually detrimental to the marriage? Um, does it, if it's consensual on both sides, is it actually against God's will in any way, shape, or form if there's both sides are in favor or it's working for them to some degree? Um, another one, wanted to ask another question. Sorry for the question. Sorry to get through quick. Um, pain in sex for as pleasure, um, you know, such things as uh, you know, nipple pinching or actual spanking, that's within boundaries, obviously. Is this normal, uh, you know, one spouse having having pleasure out of the pain, but the other spouse doesn't want any pain, but then there's that, that you know, conflict of the one spouse not wanting to inflict the pain, but the other spouse wanting it. Anyway, I just want to know if there's any any advice on that. And in about, again, is there any issues with that that stems from a potential trauma or some hidden issue um, in the person that actually enjoys pain and sex? And then the last one is um, vibrators being used often for her orgasms. Uh, difficulty getting having an orgasm without using the vibrator challenging to the point where it's just frustrating but the vibrator able she's able to pleasure get the pleasure orgasm um, during the time together but uh, if if the husband doesn't care and is not feeling threatened does it matter that the vibrator is used often 
Thank you so much for your show. Would love to hear any answers to those questions. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. So we're going to answer them all. And if you were the one that actually called in and you missed my email and you're listening, check your inbox. I'll send you the, I'll send you our answers if you're not already a member of the extended content. And we're going to leave it at that. Perfect. Shows sometimes just fly by when we get lots of good questions that are coming in. Yeah. Yeah. It, it went by in a blink. <laughs> it did. Um, if we left something undone, um, we want to know. Let us know, please. 214-702-9565 or feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. Um, and if you want more of this and even at a deeper level, seriously, come personal invitation. June 18th through the 21st, come to the getaway. Fabulous four days. Pam and I would love to meet you in person. Yeah. Uh, come shake our hand, have a drink with us, hang out. It's a, it'll be a great time. So wherever you are, whatever you've been doing, thanks for taking some time out of your day to spend it with us. See you next time.